Six weeks of non-stop cricket is coming to what looks to be a complete anti-climax. Everyone seems to have moved on with life. Sydney's about to get some much-needed rain right on BBL Grand Final Day, and so the Big Bash is probably about to slink off into the distance in order to have a good hard look at itself. Come on, Bob. over from Shane Warne. Grab some people. They grab some more people. So Shane, we have to ask you what happened out there with Marlon. Uh, with who, sorry? Uh, Hello and welcome to Grab Some People. I'm Denim Moore and uh, with me not in the studio this week, but uh, sitting under a patio somewhere in Seacliff is Jake Graffiti and Thomas Hages. How are we? Don't tell them where I live. <laughs> hey there, Denim. How are you well? going? Really well, thanks, boys. And uh, uh, Denim's, Denim's exact address is... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> No, we better mention off the top that we're here a few days earlier than we thought we would be. We thought we were going to come in just after the Challenger on, on Thursday night and, and give you all a podcast in preparation for the grand final, but we'll get in earlier and we'll preview both of those games because it looks like the grand final might be washed out regardless. But um, we've had a few finals so far, a lot of collapses and a few upsets with the Sydney Thunder storming towards the Challenger tomorrow night. Um, how have we found it so far, boys? Um, pretty exciting, Denim. Uh, really? The, the biggest game for me was definitely uh, Adelaide Crows ber- uh, versus Poor Power at Adelaide <laughs> Oval. Um, that was a, a very, very exciting game. Turns out Tex Walker can't bat to save his life. And um, Hamish Hartlett dismissed uh, Alex Carey, the national captain. So um, that was my, my biggest headlines from the weekend of cricket. Right. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, we're probably... I, I didn't see that game uh, or really uh, <laughs> much of the others... <laughs> To be fair, um, but uh, I, I did see the uh, the stars collapse, and uh, mm. I, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on down in uh, down in Stars Land, uh, or uh, I don't know the sky where the stars live. Um, uh, <laughs> it's been a little bit of a, a shit show, uh, for lack of a better word, and uh, yeah, David Hussey, the uh, the magic mm. potion, uh, didn't walk on the pitch before the game. I think that's probably where they went wrong. <laughs> And it wasn't just the stars collapsing, the strikers. What about them? They were pretty much home and hose before Alex Carey ran himself out. They were cruising. I think they were, they were almost down about, oh, well, not quite a runnable, but very, very doable uh, for T20 standards. Carey runs himself out. And then you still had Wells, um, who was ticking along as well. Um, but their, their middle to, to lower order just uh, couldn't get it done, unfortunately. Even that last over, I think they only needed something like 16 was enough the last over, which... If you've got even kind of one or two decent batters, 16 is not really impossible from a last over, but they, they mm. did fall uh, quite short in the end, unfortunately. They probably should have won that one. Yeah, from where they were, uh, sending Rashid Khan was in early was a bit of a questionable decision. But uh, do you think that it's the Thunder mm. coming into some good form at the right time of the year, or have they just encountered a couple of teams that have fallen over? I think they've deserved their place. Um, I was never really too impressed with them throughout the season, even when they had that that uh, that win streak to start. I feel like they were never really uh, catching my eye. A lot of lot of out of form, top water batsmen. I think Fergie carried them for a while. Ferguson hasn't really made a score um, throughout that regular season period after he got that big old golden hat. Um, so I, I wasn't too impressed with him, but I think Alex Hales has come mm. into his own. I think was he was he making a score as well? Um, they, they're looking they're looking a lot stronger and uh, playing up to their potential now. So 
I think they're they're definitely a danger to the stars who have lost. Oh, you know, was it six, five in a row? Five in yeah, a row. Uh, and they've four got, in a row, they've got a complete complete four in a row. Mm. Yeah, they've got complete reverse kind of form lines. Obviously, Sydney just ticking into into form now, and Stars the exact opposite. And I love. I know we we've already mentioned David twice. He twice now <laughs> in the space of the three minutes. But he he was saying his comments. We were talking last week, Denham, about him. Um, Claiming that this is where the real season starts, and they'll turn their form around, and they had, I think, their worst collapse ever, didn't they? Mm. Um, so funny, <laughs> funny things from, from ninety nine they made ninety nine, which is deplorable. So yeah, look, the stars, the stars actually on that MCG pitch. Now the MCG is traditionally not the most, what well, is it? It is a batsman friendly uh, pitch, you know, during the test test match game, but. Because of those big boundaries, it's tough for tough for those batsmen to get away. So I was, I was hearing a lot of uh, a lot of people saying 140 odd, whatever the sixes made, was actually quite a decent score that they posted. Uh, sorry, the Thunder. No, it was the six. <laughs> Lost the plot. As you can tell, I've got uh, big bash fatigue denim. It's real. Um, I, we're coming towards the grand final, and uh, couldn't be more like apathetic about <laughs> the prospects that we have ahead of us with a, ra- a washout on the on the horizon my goodness yeah we can definitely talk about big bash fatigue because there were 13,000 there at the MCG on the Friday night and then 16,000 in, mm. in Adelaide on the Saturday night for the strikers do or die final Ugh. and then the uh, there was mm. a double that amount of people pulled the next day for the charity game between the Crows and Port so it's yes. a massive issue at the moment and it's making headlines they've brought in former TV executive David Burham uh, as Cricket Australia have to review the BBL going forward and seeing how they can generate mm. a bit more interest because this is meant to be the climax of the season and everyone's pretty much switched off gone back to school and work mm. and um, 13,000 at the G for a final really is a bit embarrassing. That's pretty awful, really, isn't it? I think you should send maybe the lesser-known players on, like a you know, like a master chef or a, you know, house rules before the season, garner a bit of interest. Um, say you've got your Hilton Cartwrights, and uh, maybe he's he's teamed up with with Big Stoin or even a Stoin Zampa sort of situation. Oh, the Get them on house rules, or you know, one Marry of those first sight. Yeah, that'd be good as mm. well. I think we're. I think there's a lot of possibilities that we can go with. Um, that you know are uh, yet to be explored by a former uh, TV executive. So uh, we may see half-hour players disappear for one-day internationals and then be put into the jungle directly, directly after, just to garner a bit of uh, extra interest. But yeah, I don't really know what the uh, what the solution is. Um, I can criticise all all I want um, about you know the crowd numbers and that. But I don't what about really have the a issue better, though? The solution at this stage. We might not know the, solu- uh, the solution, but what do we think the issue is? Because a few years ago it was going gangbusters, and Adelaide Oval had no problems packing out uh, with the Adelaide Oval for a final. There is it just the adding of the extra games where every team plays each other twice now. Is that the main issue that it's just you get literally fatigue from it, or is it the time yeah, slots? I would have thought, thought that. Go on. Doubling the amount of games has to be a, a massive issue, doesn't it? You can't expect to double the amount of games and still pull in 30,000, 40,000 people per game. So I think even just as a, a normal punter at home, when you know there's so many games on the, in the season, it's very easy to say, oh, yeah, no, I'll get the next one. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I'll, just, I'll wait till it's better weather. I'll just oh, I'll wait wait till the final or something. And it kind of creeps up in you pretty quickly. And mm. um, So that that's... I'm not sure if they're going to review review that, but that would have to be a well, pretty big reason. Well, well, the broadcast deal is locked in, I think, for another three or four years, either of those two. And the problem is that because there's two broadcast partners, 
there's not really an option to reduce the amount of games because Foxtel want more exclusive games so that they can, you know, attain subscribers and that to KO uh, with that exclusive content. So it's pretty unlikely that, that either of those two broadcast partners are going to agree to reducing the number of games. So I'm not really sure where Dave Burham can go from here. I'm 100% with you, and I think this is the problem when you do introduce a, a, more, a, a greater number of games. Obviously, you see the problem in the NBA, um, load management, all these sort of things happening. There's 82 games during the regular season, and much of it is uh, you know, meaningless. A lot of teams, a lot of games to be played, but they're just not willing to reduce it. Um, they're looking for other solutions because of the money, because you know yeah. maybe broadcast all these all these different factors um, that come into it. And now that the BBL have increased the number of games and it hasn't worked for them, they're kind of between a rock and a hard place. And I don't mm. think they're going to their solution is not going to be getting rid of games. Mm. Um, I think it's it's if anything they're going to introduce more games or um, potentially just keep it how it is and and hope for the best. Mm. Yeah, well, it's sort of it's done its job, the BBL, in that it was brought in as essentially just an extra revenue stream, and it became something that no one thought it would ever become, and it's literally bankrolling the whole sport throughout the summer. Like, and the other thing is the the school kids engaging with the game, and I think the numbers are through the roof in terms of young kids playing the game at grassroots level these days. So, uh, in my opinion, it's done its job, and a lot of the negative commentary around it is probably just because we're looking more at what, what it could be instead of what it is. And what it is 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 serving definitely a purpose, but uh, it's time now, I guess, to look at how we can how the BBL can become in the public conscious more and, and just become something, just be a bit better. Is it just uh, making yep. the salary caps, increasing the salary caps, bringing more international stars here that should in turn bring the crowds? Um, but I do think that bef- without reducing the games, there's, it's never going to be that... Uh, unmissable event that it was a couple of years ago. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a bit on the nose, the BBL. I'm a bit worried about it. Yeah, I, I think I think you said it right there because you're saying there's a, there's a, there is a lot of negative commentary about it, but at the same time it's done its job. And I think that's kind of exactly where, if keeping on the NBA sort of analogy, that the NBA is pretty happy with it where they are. They're, um, you know, record numbers, all, the, all this sort of interest that it's generating um, on online and that sort of stuff. So I think the BBL wouldn't be too upset with with how it's going. And I remember there was an article at the start of the season where they were talking about uh, a lot of codes are actually jealous of BBL mm. um, and, and where where it's at and how how it engages the the younger sort of demographics. But um, question without notice here, uh, Denim. Obviously, the BBL is finishing after this after this weekend. Uh, we are we are listed as a BBL podcast. What do we do? Do we <laughs> do we pivot to IPL where we can kind of look at these stars? Do we do we maybe draw our attention towards the T Twenty World Cup um, on the horizon? Um, do we maybe just talk general cricket or? Um, do we hibernate and uh, mm. not emerge from our dens for an, at least another fifty years? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. That's one I haven't given a lot of thought because uh, as we've come towards the end of the, <laughs> obviously as we've come towards the end of the big bash, just just as the public's been feeling about it, we've been feeling a bit fatigued, and doing the podcast has become a bit of an mm. effort when the only talk around the big bash is how much everyone fucking hates it. So uh, <laughs> I guess maybe we pivot to general cricket, but focusing, I guess, on mm. the T Twenty World Cup coming up potentially, because seeing as that's in Australia, that'll be front of everyone's minds. So. We might get a bit of momentum out of that, but um, are you sure we should be having our uh, backroom production meetings on air? I don't know. 
Uh, I'm pretty, I'd like to be transparent. Um, well, we can be, you yeah. know, if we get a bit of feedback from people. I, I, I know the, uh, I, I know that there is a general vibe of uh, cricket fatigue around this time of year. So, um, what we'd be looking at uh, potentially would be a pivot to that general cricket and maybe just sprinkle in a bit of a, a bit of IPL here and there and then uh, draw our attention to the T20 World Cup. I think that might be a good business model <laughs> with some interviews thrown in as well. Speaking of the IPL, they've got 14 games as well, but they there's a whole window in the calendar cleared for the IPL and that's what makes it so great. And they're obviously, mm. they go fucking bananas for cricket over there in India. So yeah. Um, it's a bit of a different market and trying to emulate that in Australia in summer when pretty much every country's got test matches or one day is happening. Uh, it's pretty much, a, it's a bit of an overreach from Cricket Australia. So that sort of leads me into my yay or nay, guys. So we might jump into yay or nay right now. It's yay or nay. Sort of covered this already, but um, yay or nay, guys. The BBL is in danger of becoming totally irrelevant if they don't shorten the season before the next broadcast deal is renewed, and I believe it's uh, three or four seasons. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's uh, I think it's the grey area that we just talked about. Um, nay, in the in terms of it's doing its job, it's getting the kids in, it's growing the grassroots. But yay to you know these these sort of disenfranchised mid twenty somethings. It's like what what's what's BBL. Who are the strikers? You know, it's uh, it's one of these yeah. one of these competitions that do, still doesn't have, and we've had these discussion discussions at nauseum um, this season. It doesn't have that tribal sort of element. Mm. You're not going to go down and, and really you know feel and bleed blue um, yeah. or purple unless your name's Bev. So um, I think that, I think there's definitely a lot to do for this demographic, but they're, you know, they, they don't really care about us. I think they're just going for the, the younger market. I'm going to go with, I'm just thinking of the wording of your question. Yay. Yes. I think they do risk becoming irrelevant, but if you don't adapt when you need to, you're, you're in trouble as a big competition. I think if you do, so you said they have three or four more years of this deal with them. If you're just repeating that same amount of games for three or four years, um, I can't see what would change it. Even if you do bring in international stars. I mean, you brought in blokes like A.B. de Villiers, who's probably the biggest international star in the world. It yeah. didn't really make too much of a difference. I'd love to see the stats on... He the, was on the podcast, if you... Oh, was he really? Yeah, he was. And that wasn't just a, a bad... Yeah, he was. <laughs> bad uh, impersonation of you, was it? Um, yeah, no, look, I, I would love to see the, the stats of attendance... Um, for blokes like uh, Davili is coming into the game, I, I would say overall though that's not really going to save you as a competition. Just just bringing in singular blokes and um, and assuming that's going to that's going to pull in lots of uh, lots of attendees. So I hope they do shorten it or adapt it in some way. Um, what about? I know this is this might be a crazy idea, but just as Jake was saying about not having a lot of passion and a lot of actual actual kind of um, ties to the club you're supporting. Could they do something like they tie each BBL team to an AFL team or something like that? Would that mm. would that help in some way to? Because I because I was watching the the Crows and like pull that was a charity match and you still had blokes like like yelling oh, with like power. Oh, yeah, fucking power like <laughs> yeah. you, you had a lot yeah. more passion then then you kind of guarantee to support a base and um, 
So I don't know if, if something like that would help. I doubt they'll do that because that's a massive, a massive kind of evolution yeah. to the competition. But just something mm. to try to try to I engage like people a little bit more would be good. I like it a lot. Another thing I've heard is uh, that instead of bringing in the two Melbourne teams, like the red team and the green team, that they should have done maybe like a Geelong team that doesn't have any summer sport mm. really. They've got the footy team during the winter, but they don't have a – uh, team in summer to get out and support. Maybe they could have tied it to areas like that, so that then everyone in Melbourne would go for the stars. Say if the Renegades are from Geelong, yep. or uh, and same in Sydney, you'd a Western Sydney team. Even though we've, Jake, you've said that um, the Thunder is a Western Sydney side. Why didn't they call it that then? Why didn't they tie yeah. it specifically to that region so that it would at least gain that pocket of support? Um, because there's no real affinity to the teams um, in those double team markets, is there? Mm. No, and that was the that was the thought um, when I first heard about that. Um, my mate from Sydney actually told me. He said, "Look, yeah, uh, the Thunder are more of a Western Sydney team. They play more of their games out that way, uh, the Sydney Showgrounds where GWS um, play their games." Um, so I, I that was really the first that I'd been first time that I'd been aware of that. And yeah. then Melbourne doesn't really have that divide, as you said, definitely. A, a Geelong sort of team. I think the Renegades or perhaps one of the Melbourne teams mm. um, played a game yeah, at Geelong. Yeah, the Renegades do play there. Yeah. Yeah. So they should just pack up and move, I reckon. Bugger them. They've won their, they've won their uh, <laughs> uh, title and they should just head down down to Geelong and it can't really get much worse, can it? Sorry if we've got any listeners in Geelong. Uh, Jake, <laughs> your yay or nay, please. Um, yeah, look, I, I just had a bit of a general one and I think we're going to uh, talk a little bit about this because really our, our only talking point for the rest of the pod, um, the rain. The rain is a huge issue coming up for the uh, Big Bash final. I've got the forecast in front of me, Sydney, Saturday, 8th of February. We've got rain, possible heavy falls, 30 to 50 millimetres at this stage, 95% chance of rain. Uh, chance of a thunderstorm and just looking absolutely chaotic um, in mm. Sydney. They've also got the bushfire game on beforehand, which um, yeah, that's that's almost devastating that that's potentially going to be washed out as well, getting mm. all those stars over and really bad circumstance. But say in the, uh, the event of a five-over contest, um, which is the minimum required mm. for a game to be called a game, mm. Who this do you send out first for the Sydney Sixers? Um, is it Josh Philippe and James Vince, as they've been rolling with for a little bit now, or do you revert back to Dan Hughes? Perhaps you put Smudge up the top there. Um, what are your What are your opening combinations, or maybe your top three? Yay! <laughs> oh, that's not <laughs> a yay. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. It was just a very, very long question. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, okay, well, I can rephrase it. Who partners Josh Philippe at the top? No, that's still not the A and A, is it? <laughs> Josh Philippe should be partnered by James Vince at the top of the order. There you go. I'm, I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, yeah, even though I, I didn't see the Smith, format. <laughs> I want to say Smith, but I don't know if he can. He's not as explosive as the other batsmen, is he? He's not clearing the boundaries as often as, no. say, uh, an Enrique's. Uh, he did in that super over they played during the season. I think mm. it was against the Thunder. So on the back of that, maybe on Rakes, but by all reports, those ramp shots that he played in that super over were a one-off and he is never really good at playing that shot. So, um, But I'll just say on Rakes because he's got form. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would. I concur about Henriques. I think you need a big power hitter um, up the top. I go, obviously, Philippe stays, Henriques, and then just for the spectacle, I'd love Steve Smith if, if there's going to be a wicket for him to come in next. Mm. Um, yeah, not as explosive. I'm not sure what his strike rate is. It wouldn't wouldn't be that kind of explosive strike rate, but just his um, the way he can engineer shots. If you've got, you know... 10 balls to face, then he's probably one of the guys that could engineer, you know, four or five boundaries potentially without trying to power hit. He's kind of, that's kind of uh, in his ballpark. So maybe those three at the top for me. Yep. I think, I think we're all in agreement there. Um, yep. I'd love Philippe and Henriques to open and then, uh, and then Smudge to come in at number three. That is one of their problems though, the Sixers, is a bit of a lack of firepower when they were getting uh, bogged down a bit by the stars at the time when we thought that it was a bit of a low total. I remember Ricky Ponting saying that having Jordan Silk come in at that, I think he's number five or six, and he's not the mm. sort of guy who hits the boundaries very often and he's sort of just no. getting his twos and threes. And Ponting no, was no, no. flagging that that was a an issue for the sixes in this final series, that they don't really have anyone who can turn the screws and get it going down the order. So that's makes that question a bit tough because they don't really have that that Glenn Maxwell or or Stoinis that can blast boundaries nonstop. So um, yeah, that's yeah. potentially an issue for the Sixers, seeing as they'll be favourites for the game. But if it's a five-over game, I wouldn't be starting them as favourites. All right, do you want me to roll into my name? Yeah, your name, please. Yes, please. Um, same sort of theme in terms of the rain, which is the the big story. So in a no result grand final due to the rain, so you can't even get five overs, the winner should be decided by the now defunct bowl out format to offer a genuine result. Are you aware what a bowl out is? No. No, so I mean. now, now, now defunct, I'll give you some context. Now defunct, I think it was it actually was used for international T20s probably about a decade ago, and the super over actually... Um, replace the bowl out so the bowl out is basically a penalty shootout but with bowling yep so just aiming at the stumps um, no batters in front and (laughs) you have five bowlers who have one delivery each to hit the stumps it's like a penalty shootout whoever has the 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 greater total obviously and if there's equal after after the five penalties and you do as you would with a penalty shootout it's kind (laughs) of a sudden death next next penalty win so oh, yeah. um, I saw some footage of it just before on YouTube it looked awful I can see why it's defunct <laughs> <laughs> don't let that influence my net, yay or nay though <laughs> should they bring it back um, I'm going to say nay okay well, um, only because I have perhaps a, a, a better solution okay. for you I've looked up uh, in the last 10 minutes the uh, Sydney stadiums that are indoors mm. now obviously they don't want to move it to, to Melbourne and they don't want to have a reserve day so I've found some excellent uh, alternate places where we can play around New South Wales. So I've got the Hawkesbury Indoor Stadium. It's rated four stars on Google Maps. It looks quite nice. nice, The Thornley Brick Pit Basketball Sports Stadium. Obviously, might be a bit bit of a challenge getting people in uh, inside. I think forty thousand. That's that's to be expected. And we've also got the Alexandria Basketball Stadium. A bit of a theme here. Um, (laughs) All indoors. Uh, This one's got a review. Great indoor courts, but there's street parking only. So. Uh, yeah. We might have to, uh, yeah, look, I mean, there's a few places around that we could definitely maybe get like an indoor cricket game going. I know Clive Rose would be definitely into that idea. Um, but yeah, a few basketball stadiums kicking around, I think, uh, or just build a big tarp over the... Uh, just a giant tarp. Yeah, over the CG and um, yeah, put, make that a school project. Just get a big marquee, surely. Um, yeah. What's the point of the bowl out though? Because if they've got time to do that, wouldn't they have time to, you know, have a super over? Or is it that they just do it in pouring no, rain, it's so it's just teaming down and you so got I'm, bowlers yeah, exactly. in so and um, 
Exactly right. I think the issue with the Super Over, obviously the Super Over, you can see why it, why it uh, superseded the bowl out uh, format. The issue with that is, though, you've got to have, obviously, <laughs> your fielders, you've got to have batters, etc. Yeah. At least with the bowl out, you literally just need a bowler who can grip the ball, could be pissing down with rain, and that's really yeah. all you need. Because um, I'm just thinking that you've got to do something. That would be a disgrace if there's no result and, and the Sixers win like that. That that looks really bad, doesn't it? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that, that probably has to be something. I don't know if it's the bowl out, though, so I'm going to say nay. Oh. Maybe we can... Jake. It's <laughs> <laughs> worth a go. Bring back the bowl. Out. Maybe we can think of something else, whether it's a, just in the pouring rain, just bowling to a batsman and seeing how many, bounds, how many sixes he can hit or something like that. Either way, it's not going to be great. It's pretty bad, man. I feel. Yeah. Uh, so that was yay or nay. We've got a bit more news to get through on the international squad front. We've got a T20 squad and an ODI squad that was announced yesterday for the tour to South Africa. Mm. Uh, we'll glance over the T20 squad first. I won't read it all out, but Glenn Maxwell's back after his he put his hand up during the last T20 series against Sri Lanka. Uh, he's back in the squad. Mm. Uh, Mitchell Marsh is back in the squad, and we've got no Stoinis. But um, mm. apart from that, not oh, and Daniel Sams wasn't in there either, the leading wicket taker. In fact, he's taken the most wickets of any bowler uh, in any tournament in the BBL. So, would you have found a place mm. for either of those guys, um, Jake? You first. I don't, and I I may be um, on the contrary here. I've never really rated Daniel Sams. Uh, oh. I think he's a fine, a good enough bowler. Um, but I think he's obviously taking a lot of wickets, but he is quite expensive, and I don't think he adds much to that squad compared to a Jai Richardson who really has been swinging it around, um, really challenging to pick up. He's been having a good economy rate. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think that Sam's really gives, gives you much. I am surprised about Marcus Stoinis. I think he definitely needs to be in that squad somewhere. You've got to fit him in. He's hit the biggest uh, score of any Big Bash player. He's just that. Where does he bat, though? You know, massive. Because oh, he has to be in the top somewhere. three. Obviously, he's not opening. He um, can't make runs at the start of his innings. Like He can't turn over the strike, and he always takes six or seven deliveries to get his eye in and, and before he starts exploding later in the innings. So I think the thinking is there. If he can't open and he can't come in at three when you've got Smithy and D Warner and Finch up the top, where does he bat? Two, five know, or six? Yeah, one. No, you one. can't. Obviously, you got Finch and, and Warner. Um, yeah, I, I completely understand that logic. I'm still kind of in, in the same court as Jake, though, that when you're someone as powerful as he is, and he bowls, mm. um, if you need an over or two, I think he's too valuable to not have in the side. Um, between him or Mitchell Marsh, now. really, isn't it, though? Because... Yeah, it is. Mitchell Marsh is. is the same it sort is, of player, but he's shown a bit more of an ability when he comes in down the order. Yeah, yeah. and longer term, he's done it, done it for longer. Right now, if you're going on form, <clears throat> obviously Stoin is the, the way to go, but yeah, March, March has obviously more of a proven track record, I guess, which is the probably the deciding factor. Mm. Yeah, and he gives them a bit more bowling than Stoinis does. And um, speaking of bowlers, mm. Siddle... I would have almost found a place for Siddle because he's reinvented himself and he's become one of the most consistent bowlers for the strikers and in the Big Bash, really. But they've got the two Richardsons there alongside then Stark and Cummins. Is Mitchell Stark, because he doesn't play in the Big Bash, we don't get to see a heap of him playing T20, but I don't know if you guys have caught much of him in either the IPL or internationally to make a call on whether he should be a lock for that side as he is in longer forms? Uh, I think I think he's just 
you know, you, you, your stock standard. Him and Cummins are just the, the gruesome twosome at the moment. Um, <laughs> they, they, you bring them in and every single batting unit is going to be scared. He, he throws it pretty quickly through the air, gets a lot of bounce. Um, I think he's just a, an X factor in that squad. In saying that, though, um, haven't seen him play 2020s for ages. So um, coming into that, adjusting his you know, lengths and, you know, st- like stock deliveries and stuff like that. I think there's a definitely a, an argument that you could put Siddle in there who's got a bit of that 2020 form. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just tough for... St- I think it would be a bigger uproar if Siddle was in the st- in the squad apart instead of Stark. Definitely. I think the same same sort of lines as the, the Stornis Marsh um, kind of issue there. I think you go with the person with, with probably the better track record and obviously Stark with the white ball is... Arguably one of the best white ball uh, bowlers in the world. I, I agree. I haven't seen too much of him in, in T20s, not being in the in the BBL. But I'm just trying to think of that circumstance where you need someone to come in and you need a wicket or two, and you're going to go with Stark every single time. When he zeroes in on the stumps, there's there's arguably no better bowler with the white ball in the world. So I would stick with him, even though. Um, Old boy, banana eater, Peter Siddle. Um, does he still do that? Yeah, I think, that? yeah, he still does that. He used to eat like 40 a day or something, didn't he? Well, he's still oh, he's a vegan. vegan so yeah. Yeah, I imagine he still eats bananas. He's a banana's worst nightmare. Oh, he's vegan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that'd be a banana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> That's it, was it? <laughs> Happy with that, mate. <laughs> and uh, we've got the ODI squad as well. Ashton Turner's been dropped from there. Labuschagne's held his spot after the tour of India. Mitch Marsh is there as well. Mm. Pretty similar squads, to be honest. Uh, the only differences, I think, are Labuschagne and we've got Hazelwood in there as well. Ashton Agar has found a spot in both squads. I'm not entirely sure about Ashton Agar. He's young, I guess, and he offers a bit of batting and bowling. But I've just, I've just as you've as you've talked about that now, this this could be a massively unpopular opinion. But Steve Smith and the T20 squad. If you had to take Stoinis or Smith right now in the T20 squad, is that is that ridiculous to suggest that Stoinis would, would potentially outmove Smith? I mean, you, you'd have to find a place for Smith, wouldn't you? But I'm just thinking there too. I don't know. Stoinis' form versus Smith's form in, in T20. Yeah, right, different roles. Um, yeah. I'm kind of with you though. Uh, it's an interesting interesting talking point. It's one of the. It, it does seem like the selectors are going for a lot of continuity now. Um, they're trying mm. to get players playing multiple forms of the game, kind of ingraining them, getting that that sort of culture, Australian culture, um, or whatever there is, Australian <laughs> cricket culture, uh, into the squads. So I think they're just kind of leaving Smith in and being like, well, you're a good, you know, steadier in the middle of the innings. We've got enough hitting around you with Maxwell, Marsh, Finch, Warner, etc., and then Carey at the, the bottom to finish it off. So I, I, I do I do agree. You're making some interesting points here. You're making me yeah, think. Outside the box, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, obviously, one-day squad, definitely definitely uh, Smith, clearly, in that squad. I like the look of the one-day squad a little bit more than T20 squad. I know they look very similar, but for some reason, that, that sits a little bit better with me, I think, those couple of changes. What are your thoughts, Denham? Uh, I like the fact Glenn Maxwell was brought straight back in, even though he had a bit of a leaner World yeah. Cup. Uh I'm probably not with you on the Stoinis ahead of Steve Smith argument. I think Steve Smith's uh, one of the most adaptable batsmen that we've got. He can play. He can come in anywhere. And yeah, but he's a cheat, Denim. <laughs> well, <laughs> he's done his time as his, uh, <laughs> David Warner is up there. And, Actually, uh, Stoinis has said some questionable um, comments as well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Ashton Agar is he 
going to play? Is he is he our spinning all rounder? Because couldn't even someone like Travis Head yeah. fill that role a bit better? I know he hasn't been uh, setting the tournament alight in the big bash. Travis Head, he's if you're looking for a future, I don't think he can bowl for. You don't think he bowls for the strikers? Yeah, he did like, and he took a couple of wickets, but then anyway. I think he got pretty pretty humble. Yeah, he's a part time. I think Agar's less. He's probably still a part time, but he's less of a part time. He's a genuine spinning all rounder, isn't he? I, yeah, I mean, he's he's the one that you look at the squads. You think, oh, can't we just piss off Agar and bring in Stoin or something like that? But I think he does. <laughs> tie up and end very well and he comes in at what eight or nine or something to bat and, and can actually bat made a uh, a very nice test what 99 i think on on debut 90, as an 18 yeah, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90, yeah. so. he's done nothing since uh, still going on about that in 2013 was it 2015 ah, no, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long time ago actually <laughs> Uh, speaking of a long time, there's been a long time in between finals this week so we've had a bit of a layoff but let's cast our eye towards the games Coming up tomorrow night, the Stars on their massive losing streak. Can they turn it around against the Red Hot Thunder, do we think? Is, is there any chance of that happening at, at the MCG, probably in front of about seven or eight people? <laughs> <laughs> well, there is. Uh, I, I've been hot on the forecast. I'm on the BOM website at the moment, uh, Denim. Um, you know, maybe this is a new segment. Uh, Jake, Jake is a weatherman. Well, for tomorrow night's game too. Is there weather around tomorrow night? Uh, there's a bit of no, not really. There's a ten percent chance of rain. Uh, chance of fog. Uh, fog. Smoke haze. <laughs> smoke haze, though. La- late smoke haze. So uh, I don't think that's going to be too disruptive. But uh, winds southeast to southwesterly, fifteen to twenty kilometres, becoming lighter in the evening, and uh, we should have a good game of cricket. Yeah. Beautiful. In and terms who of the do you think's going to win? Game, <laughs> sorry, I've just been watching it. <laughs> After you, um, I think definitely. Um, the stars can obviously can obviously win it. In fact, they they really should win it. But whether they will win it, I actually think the thunder thunder. To be honest with you, if you're going on form lines, um, there's no reason to suggest that that the stars should turn their their form around after their their lowest total was their lowest total ever, 99 something yeah. something similar to that. So, nice. um, oh God, the only thing more disappointing or equally disappointing than a rained out grand final would be if the stars bomb out in straight sets. I reckon that's that would uh, not do good to their their confidence after after choking in the grand final last year. So, um, <coughs> kind of hope for their that's choking. a choke, yeah. Yep. I, hope, I hope for their sakes they actually do win because then I think it would actually be a, a more enjoyable grand final if the grand final even goes ahead. But I think it could be an all Sydney grand final going on form, which um, which is exciting, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but they're always in Sydney, Tom. <laughs> oh, look, I think the I think the Stars should win, but I'm almost oh, I'm kind of leaning with Tom here. I think it would be an aberration if they don't win that game, and I think they're more likely uh, the team. Obviously, I think the the Thunder have played in a couple, or one, at least one uh, five over game this year. Mm. Um, and or shortened game at least, so they will perhaps fancy their ch- chances. But I think the stars, with you know that that distinct lack of batting depth, um, having Maxwell and Stoin at the top of the order banging for five overs, I think they'll look at that as a bit of a tantalising prospect mm. um, to go in favourites. Because I, I imagine if the Thunder do make it through to the grand final, the Sixers will still be, um, you know, not far and away, but definitely the. Uh, the favourites come, uh, I don't know, kick off mm. uh, the first ball. The bowl out. <laughs> but the bowl out, <laughs> sorry. I wish. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Dan? 
not too dissimilar. I think a lot relies on Marcus Stoinis making a big score because uh, I heard Glenn Maxwell actually this morning on Waitley say that some of their batsmen he feels are out of form because they've hardly been at the crease this tournament because him and Stoin have occupied the crease for so long in a lot of their matches. Like, I think Seb Gotch it felt like he was in reasonable touch, but um, he'd only faced maximum 10 balls or something in an innings throughout the tournament. So wow. now a few of them feel like they're not in touch. And then if Stoinis gets out early, then they're in a lot of strife, as we saw the other night. So um, I do think that mm. Maxwell and Stoinis can take it on their shoulders and make the bulk of their runs tomorrow and get them to the final and then anything can happen. But it's sort of the same with the Thunder as well because they've got Kawaja, Hales and someone else up the top there as well. That His name escapes me now, but if you get them out, there's not much uh, underneath there. So, yeah, that's probably the one I'm thinking of. But um, I think with both sides, whoever no. gets early wickets is going to win the game. So <laughs> The captain. <laughs> yeah, Fergie. He actually captained very well the other night against the Strikers. He almost got them over the line just with his captaincy out in the he field. Did. But um, let's say the Stars hopefully win, but I'm a bit fatigued. I don't know if I actually care that much. So that might be a good time to... <laughs> Revelation. Uh, that's what you want to hear as a podcast. Uh, nah, well, I mean, we're at, the end of the, we're at the end of the show here. Um, I'm surprised how much uh, juice we squeezed out of that orange. Um, there isn't much to look forward to with this, this rain-affected grand final on the horizon. And obviously, you know... Good for Sydney, um, good for New South Wales, greater region, but it's it's almost quite ironic that uh, we're getting uh, all this rain forecast for the grand final, and there's just no other solution for um, for the Big Bash. So I think it may be one of the more disappointing fizzles. Tim Mitchell tweeted that uh, there should be a reserve day, like they have them for Wimbledon because it obviously rains there a lot. So why wouldn't there be a day, whether it be mm. Monday or Tuesday, set aside where they could just reschedule it if the forecast is this dire or if it is indeed rained out? If you're trying to be a bona fide sporting league, you'd really think that would be the case. But um, as we've sort of discussed, it's a TV product first and foremost. But um, that doesn't really help when there's yep. nothing to put on TV bar a uh, bowl out. Well, at least you got this bloody podcast. So uh, yeah, uh, we'll be well. We'll be back uh, hopefully for a uh, grand final wrap up. Um, anyway, uh, Denim, you got any uh, any any segments for us? Or uh, I think I think that's media probably watch. no media watch this week. No, uh, I, I I can't think of a segment. Obviously, no. I've, I've had my I've had my done my best, but uh, no magic fountain. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess this is a true reflection of guys that you guys are really crawling to the finish. Yeah, this is just as is, as the Big Bash is, I think, going up like a lead balloon. All right, Denim, thanks for your time, mate. Uh, thanks for joining us. <laughs> good day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, have a good uh, morning, afternoon. Uh, what's the other one? Evening. <laughs> it's falling apart here at fucking GSPHQ. Uh, it's been good.